The Red Bull rant is a free-flowing conversation about soccer that may include adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Bull Rant. I'm Jason Iapico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman. And this is episode 125. Say you want the revolution. Well, it's at Red Bull Arena. There you go. That was my Beatles for the night. <laughs> uh, what, what's what's a show with that Truman saying something? Huh? I mean... A terrible show. It's just... Exactly. It's just a terrible, terrible show. So, obviously last week we talked about in that fucked up crazy episode about the dc series and now it's time to turn our attention to the eastern conference semifinals and the new england revolution who are coming into red bull arena sunday november 23rd 1 30 p.m start time and it is going to be a sold out red bull arena yes it's actually a sellout and as of like six o'clock on uh, thursday there's less than 800 seats available on StubHub. so this is this is probably going to be a well-attended match so if you can, they're, they're expensive so, on so StubHub. They are. They're, I think it's over like fifty dollars now a ticket. Yeah, it's gonna be a slobber so knocker. You, oh yeah. So if you're if you're going out to Red Bull Arena, I salute you. Unfortunately, I cannot. I have other stuff and traveling to New Jersey for Thanksgiving and all that crap. But I know Truman's gonna be there. Yep. The rest of you guys burn it for ninety minutes and drown out those eleven hundred and fifty New England supporters that are be coming down from. Uh, Foxborough, and just make sure that nobody hears them at all. That That's your goal for Sunday. Drown them out, support the team. Alright, so let's I mean, get into this one. I know, right? I mean, we, we my, my first thought when I heard that they were giving, the Revolution were giving free buses, like, you know, we did that. And then I heard they had 1,100 people. I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. We had 1,250, but I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's, uh, let's get into this and uh, preview this one. Uh, the game will be on NBC Sports at 1.30, like I said. Um, so far this year, the Red Bulls have only played the Revolution twice. The first meeting was at um, Gillette Stadium on June 7th, where the Red Bulls broke their streak of losing to New England. I'm sorry, winless streak, because they tied for it. So they broke their, their streak in New England with a 2 nothing win. And then the return leg was August 2nd, a uh, 2-1 victory. And for those that remember it, or and those that don't, that was the match where Matt Miasco got a red card right before halftime. New England, or New York went into halftime down one nothing, and then stormed back to win the match two to one. So the Red Bulls are two zero and zero against the Revolution this year. And of course, with the away goal rule, the first leg is going to be really important as we'll set up the return trip to Gillette a week from uh, Sunday. So our previews. Pat, you're up first. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Uh, I think the Red Bulls, um, you know, it, both teams are getting kind of hurt by the um, the, uh, the international break. I mean, the Red Bulls, uh, Ayango's played two games for Cameroon. Uh, you know, Cahill went all the way over to Japan uh, for Australia. And uh, Sagaya 
just went to watch his team in Uganda. So, um, you know, so we're we're definitely going to have that issue. And, of course, you know, the Revs had Nguyen and uh, Jermaine Jones, who were two very crucial players for that team, uh, go overseas in that uh, two-day debacle, two-game debacle for the United States national team. So um, it, it's going to be tough. I, I, I think the long layoff is certainly going to hurt the momentum of the New England Revolution more. Um, but I think it's definitely a, a steep uphill climb for this team, for the Rebels. Uh, you know, Jermaine Jones has made a world of difference with that team, which is why I wanted him on the Red Bulls. I knew, so whatever. <laughs> um, so I, I think it's going to be a draw. I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw, which is going to be certainly tough to overcome away. Um, but it, that that's uh, my prediction for this one. Yeah, I, I mean, it's... It's not going to be easy. I think that's the, 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 the safest way to put it. If you watch the Revolution play uh, in their first round, I mean, holy crap. They just absolutely smoked Columbus not once but twice. And I'm not sure how you contain a team. Yeah, we beat them twice, but we beat them twice without Jermaine Jones on the team. So, like Pat said, that was the difference maker here. You better pray that they are ice cold and the Red Bulls are not ice cold after that break. You, you hope, you know, that the Red Bulls have that momentum being home in front of what is going to be a sold-out crowd. Uh, it's supposedly going to be a nicer day. It's going to be, uh, I think, the low 50s, hopefully. Um, maybe a chance of rain. Boy, I don't I don't see the Red Bulls keeping New England off the score sheet, that's for sure. This team is just, holy shit, really, really good. Uh, do the, can the Red Bulls win? Of course they can. I, I, you know, I don't see why not. They've been playing great at home as of late. As you know, I'm definitely not going to give a prediction. But I will say that I think the Red Bulls have a very, very good chance at winning and a very, very good chance of um, giving up giving up at least a goal. So that is, that is my uh, prediction for Sunday. So your weather, uh, just because I was curious, I looked it up. Right now, AccuWeather says it's supposed to be a high 53 degrees that day, which after the crazy week of this week, I mean, that just – you can't ask for a better, a better forecast. So hopefully it actually holds up. It does feel um, like summer. At least we don't have six feet on the snow on the ground. <laughs> That's right. A heart's a witch, you buffalo. Buffalo. No. I, guess, I guess I'll. I, I won't have to worry about avoiding the Jets this week, since they won't be playing on Sunday, or well, most might, likely won't be, won't be playing on Sunday. They might be in Canada. Well, I mean, Buffalo did want to move to Canada, so there's your there's your opportunity to show it. Anyway, <laughs> um, back back to soccer, because uh, <laughs> this is not the Jets rant. This is the Red Bull rant. Um, and besides, I'm pretty sure you guys don't want to talk Jets the whole night. Nobody wants to not talk that Jets. I do. No. I was going to say, I don't really want to talk Jets either, so there's that. Um, so, uh, I, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Uh, I don't think Jermaine Jones is going to be at, is gonna make as much of a difference as he's kind of been made out to be in the last uh, few months. Yes, the, re- uh, the Revolution are red hot right now. Lee Wynn is on fire. The, the team's just clicking. But the Red Bulls, ever since they lost to the Columbus Crew, have kind of been on this streak too. And I mean, if the playoffs is all about getting hot at the right time. And granted, both teams have gotten hot at the right time, so it's kind of impressive in that way. Um, but I, I think Red Bulls will actually be able to hold their own at home. Uh, I think they're going to have to end up giving up a draw, and I think it's unfortunately going to be like a two-two draw where they're going to really have to chase the game in New England just to get the one goal. Hopefully, I'm wrong, and it's more like two-one. Or a 1-1 draw, if that. But I really think that's between the Red Bulls' firepower and how New England's been putting them in lately, that's what you're going to be looking at. Um, 
basically, if, the, if they don't end up like the Columbus crew did, I think that you can consider that a win in leg one. That's really what it comes down to. Um, and, you know, I'll uh, just throw it, speaking of, like, uh, the crew, that team was coming in red hot, too. You know, mm-hmm. they were playing yeah, great, um, yeah. and it makes you a little nervous. It's, it's going to be a tough one, that's for sure. Well, you know, when you're down to the final four teams, everybody's kind of on a hot streak, so it's really just a matter of who can sustain it. And actually, I think the two-week right. – sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say you're right, because if you look at the, the uh, Western Conference Finals, uh, that's not a cakewalk for either of those teams either, so. Well, Seattle yeah. kind of pooped their way onto this uh, into this round now. Yeah, because <laughs> yes, you know, who, who wins on they away goals? <laughs> um, but so I was going to say, I actually think the two weeks between games is actually more beneficial for the Red Bulls because the Red Bulls are generally an older team than the Revolution, so I think having that extra week off is really going to help, especially with you know like Thierry Henry and Alave who are going to need need the rest, and that kind of leads into a uh, second topic is. And, you know, this is completely without knowing what happens in the first game, but do you think the Red Bulls are going to have to play Alave and Henri on turf in New England? Of course. Of course. There's, there's absolutely no chance that either one of those players takes the game in New England off, unless the Red Bulls win on Sunday 5 to nothing. Right, exactly. If they're up by at least three goals, then maybe. But uh, if this is a close game, they have to. You're, you're playing for your playoff lives to go to the cup final. You have to take the risk. I'm sorry, that's... And I think the players understand that. I'm sure Thierry Henry would understand that if it's a close game, a 2-1 game, a 2-2, whatever, he's he knows he's going to have to suck it up and play. It's a chance to go to a one-off playoff game, you know. Yeah. If they get hurt, well, what can you do? Then you're stuck with a hurt guy. You know, if they if they advance and they go to the finals, yeah, you're stuck with an injured player. But you, this is not a fucking regular season game. This is the, you know, the conference finals to go to the championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page. The only, the only way for me, Henri gets held out is if somehow we manage to pull off like a two or three nothing win at home, because then it's going to be another DC situation where we have, have to, to chase like, it. And, right, it's going to have to win for them not to play. Yeah, like it's going to have to be one of those like big, like big victories in leg one where New England doesn't have any road goals to help them out, and that's I think the only way that either of those guys get any kind of rest. Well, I think a lot of it's going to be playing no matter what New England because we're going to need the defensive defensive uh, backline and hole regardless. Um, right. So before we take a break and bring on our guests for tonight, uh, we, two quick things. Uh, first one, the MLS End of Season Awards uh, finalists were announced today, and the big snub, neither Bradley Wright Phillips or Thierry Henry were named as a MVP finalist. It was Femi Martin's uh, Robbie Keane and Lee Wynn. So, real quick, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, try to keep it like a minute or two so we can, because I know Pat's got something he wants to rant about. Um, Pat, what do you think of uh, the Red Bulls not getting an MVP candidate in there this year? Uh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. How, how do you not have someone who tied the all-time lead in uh, goal scored uh, as a nominee for the MVP? It makes absolutely no sense. I, I don't know. It's not like he's slowed down in the playoffs. He scored in the playoffs, too. I have no clue who is in charge of, um, you know, nominating these guys, but it's an, it's absolutely ridiculous because everybody was saying there was never a question about him getting nominated. Nobody ever questioned whether he'd be nominated. It was more, is he going to uh, win? But everybody, he was a surefire nomination. So this is... I mean, it, Henri, it's all right. It's not so bad. 
but uh, BWP makes no sense. When Wondolowski won the MVP uh, with uh, G, yeah, I wonder how many goals he scored that season. Oh, right, the same amount, by the way, Phillips did. He crushed in MVP voting, crushed it. Was like, you know, a near hands-down winner. That's how, how much he'd won by. And yet, Bradley Ray Phillips can't even get onto the finalists uh, list. That is an absolute joke. Uh, if he was an American player, he would have been, he would probably win this. I think that's a little bit of a snub too. They love giving it to American players. And that you see an Englishman and a Frenchman, not even, you know, finalists. It's, it's pathetic is what it is. Um, I, I mean, I think you can make the case for Henri over Ray Phillips, but either way, I mean, Femi Martins and Roy Keane, if you're going to talk about, you know, Wright Phillips has had Henri to a system or Henri has had Wright Phillips to feed, both those guys had the same issues. Like, there's Clint Dempsey in Seattle, there's Landon Donovan in L.A. You know, if you're going to judge judge one of the Red Bulls players that way, you have to judge the other two the same way. And then Lee Wynn isn't, I mean, he's the most valuable player on the Revs, but you can't tell me that he's more valuable than Henri or Phillips. Like, just, Wynn has, and look it up today, he has 18... Get, get. And that, that's right, Pat yelling at the voters, by the way, telling them to get out of here for their point of picking. Yeah, um, the voters, the voters were trying to get a paper towel off the counter. Those damn, uh, damn voters. voters. Um, so I look up today. Lee Wynn had 18 goals and five assists. Henri is 10 goals and 14 assists. You tell me who's more valuable to the team. I, I, I guarantee right, you, any numbers. of the people would say Henri. I mean, come on. It's just, and you're not supposed to use numbers, but come on, just. It's obvious. The, the Red Bulls players have to, or should be in the top three. One of them. Doesn't matter which one to me, but one of them should be in the top three. Alright, so Red now. Bulls, Red Bulls would not be where they are today if Bradley Rice Phillips didn't score 27 goals. Right, exactly. That is true. That's true. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and now I need to look it up just because, and I meant to do this actually before, so I, I, I fail as my research, as the researcher here, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, New York Red Bulls scored a total of 55 goals this year. That means, that means Wright Phillips accounted for just under half the goals because that's 27 for him, 28 for the rest of the team. Take out on Reese 10 and that means that between the two guys, they accounted for all but 18 goals scored this year. And it's just ridiculous. But they're not the most valuable players. Oh, of course not. Not a chance. All right, let, let's move on to the last topic before we uh, take a break. Pat, since this is something that you want to talk about, I'm not even going to intro it. You just go ahead and do your thing. Okay, so I was listening to the uh, MLS Extra Time Radio the other day, which, I mean, we obviously all know is the MLS Propaganda Network. Uh, and they're talking about Jurgen Klinsmann and his 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 guys being at, you know, uh, at various um, academies and encouraging players to play overseas. Uh, and, and, you know, and to a certain extent, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think a lot of these guys should, uh, you know, bide their time in MLS uh, and not move overseas so quickly because, let's face it, there's a bias overseas against American players, whether you like it or not. Um, and, and in some cases, they're just not ready. Uh, but that's not really what's bugging me. What's bugging me is that on Extra Channel, they're reporting how the owners, uh, I think it, was, it may have been Adrian Hanna, or if it wasn't him, it was someone in the Sanders organization was like, well, the thing is, I mean, he's encouraging their players to go overseas, but then we, we can't do anything about it. We, we can't compete to keep them here. And it's just like, hey, here's a Nightville idea, guys. Why don't you pay them to stay? I mean, come on. That's America. That's capitalism. 
All right? You, if you have good people, you pay them. Simple as that. Stop complaining. If you can't pay players, get out of the game. Simple as that. I mean, if, if that's, if that's going to be the ownership of this league's excuse that they can't afford talent, then why do we have a league? In all seriousness, why do we have a league? It, it makes no sense. The fact that you have to invest in a product. That is business 101. You invest in a product if you want anybody to buy it. And keeping our young talent, if they cost money, tough. That's what you have to do. So that's what I'm pissed off about, having listened to X-Trend Radio the other day and uh, rant over. You know, Don Garber wants to prattle on about how he wants to make this one of the best leagues in the world. How do you do that? How do you make something the best league? How does the Premier League, how is that one of the best leagues? How's Syria? How's, you know, the Bundesliga? Exactly how... Are they the best leagues? Oh, that's right. They pay their players, and they pay talent money. This league doesn't want to pay guys yet because they're scared if they if they start lifting a salary cap that the league's going to collapse. It, it's That's not going to happen. Now with the ownership that's coming into place with most of these teams, you know, Red Bulls and, and cheeky money, you know, with NY2 next year, things aren't going to fold up and collapse. This is not the old, you know, North American league with the Cosmos and... 35 other uh, also ran teams. Pay these guys. I, we all know next year is going to be a huge year with the, uh, you know, negotiating with the players. And I'm sorry, yeah. If, if they don't pay these guys, then Donnie boy, it's ain't going to be a great league. Plain and simple. And, and I think, and I think most fans are like, they're, you know, they're realistic. We know we're not going to be the Premier League if you raise the cap, but we should be the best North American league. You know, we got to get, that's the next hurdle. Right. We got to get better than Liga MX. I mean, that that's the next hurdle. And if you're not willing to take that lip that leap, get out, get out, fold the league. I don't care. I, I'm sick of uh, our owners pussyfooting around, thinking we can't afford anything. You know, I'm you know I'll go watch NASL. Like I mean, only if MLS folds. I'm not gonna watch that that shit otherwise. But you know, you tell me, you know, a, a, a crafty Bobby Kraft up there in New England can't afford to pay players. Yeah, exactly. Tell, tell me, Red Bull can't afford to pay players. Mm-hmm. You can't. You know, Microsoft can't yeah. afford to pay players. Yeah, seriously. I, I don't care what kind of team you own. When you're a team owner, you have lots of money to invest. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Uh, yeah, I have nothing to add to that. So, <laughs> open We're the good. pyramid, man. Open it up, dude. Oh, Pro relegation. <laughs> that will fix. Uh, I mean, that should be the end of my rant. Pro relegation will fix everything. <laughs> Okay, I, I heard okay, it uh, cures uh, the common cold too. Yeah. How will pro relegation? Just pro relegation. <laughs> pro rel, baby. Put some pro rel on it. Fix cost cost too. <laughs> you want to fix that? Put ex- a little pro rel on it. I know from experience. Pro rel. <laughs> All right. On that note, <laughs> we're gonna take a break and we we'll back with our guest and more Red Bull right after this. Welcome back to Double Rant. We want to welcome onto the show back for a second time this year from the Bent Musket and SB Nation blog, Jake Catanese. Jake, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you guys for bringing me back. I guess the last one went pretty well. All right, now I, I have to ask, I because I, I know I asked you how to say your name. Did I say it right the second oh, time? You you did. You did. You're good. Ha! Fuck you, Truman wow, and Pat. <laughs> First. Jake's Sorry. killing it. He's killing it. 
Don't, don't worry, when he signs off, he's going to be like, and thanks for Jackie Kadanasi. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I can't even say a first name, then I definitely just don't deserve to be a host, so. Well, you know, right. that's, a, that's a minor detail. But speaking of hosting, segue, since I can Woo. apparently do those. Um, the Red Bulls will be hosting the New England Revolution on Sunday, and I think you told me you and uh, 1,149 of your close friends are coming down to uh, to see us. Is that well, right? Yeah, something like that. That's just the supporter section. I'm sure there's going to be a little overflow of, of people who kind of bought tickets on their own and such, but um, I know the Red Bulls are, are planning a similar trip uh, back for the second leg. Um, but that was um, that was something that sort of came out of blue where it was um, uh, Revolution President Brian Bellello just came out and says, all right, I got enough buses for 850 people. You know, Rebellion, Midnight Riders, go go fill those buses. And then they got to about like 600 in like a day and a half. He's like, all right, we're going to need more buses. <laughs> and I don't know what, I, you know, the allocation's always sort of different for Gillette Stadium because... We don't actually open that end of the stadium for anyone except the visiting supporters, so I don't know what the cap normally is at, at RBA. Um, I was there in August, where I think there was a, a few hundred of us, and we were in one of the sections on the second deck. I don't know how many sections we have this time. I assume it's probably something like three. Yeah, it's got to be like three or four. That, that would assume that I actually know that stadium layout really well, and after being there once, I just don't. Um, but that's something that I think there are a lot of people who are very excited for this. Um, and it's it's interesting, I think, the way not just the Eastern Conference setup, but the Western Conference setup with all of the storylines and sort of the rivalry and the big names and the DPs and everything like that. Um, that I, I think this is going to be a, an amazing uh, two weeks of soccer, and that's even before we get to MLS Cup. So um, should be fun. Well, look on the bright side. No matter what, you won't have the issue of uh, the roof falling in on you, like the Red Bulls fans did at RFK. Well, that, to be fair. We love RFK, and we love the raccoons. <laughs> and the sooner that that stadium gets the same treatment it did in that X-Men movie, the better. And I've been talking with the DC guys. I say this all the time. I says there are, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, we, have, we might be getting a stadium in Boston. Like, That's great. Get the one in DC first. They need it more in, in the worst way possible. Nah. <laughs> yeah. well, they, can, they can say they're not, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so my first question is, uh, plain and simple, how do you stop the New England Revolution? Well, that's a tremendously good question, and I'm sure we'll have to answer the same thing of how the heck do we stop Terry Henry and, and BWP later. Um, but how do you stop them right now? I don't know. And it, it starts with trying to track Lee Win, which is difficult, and then you've got to figure out how to, how to get the ball out of everyone else's hands. It's not a team that's going to serve a lot of balls into the box, um, they're definitely a much more direct attacking team, and at times it works really well, and then there are times, like in that midsummer eight-game losing streak, where it doesn't work at all. And I think the biggest thing that everyone keeps looking at is Jermaine Jones actually being the enforcer in the midfield allows Lee Wynn to stay farther up on the field and be the number 10 and be the playmaker, and that's what has really hit off for the Revs the last three months of the season against the Columbus crew in the first uh, playoff series. Um, and it's something that the Red Bulls haven't seen yet. Although I'm still terrified because I remember that last game in August that I was there, we had a goal and a man advantage for an entire half, and we managed to screw it up. 
So quite frankly, I have no idea what to expect in this particular series. Are you uh, worried at all that the two-week uh, layoff is going to affect the momentum of the team? And on top of that, the fact that when and Jermaine Jones went overseas to play? No, it shouldn't. Uh, and I would have been completely fine if, in particular, if Lee Wynn had gotten to play against Ireland as well, uh, only because he needs the international minutes, and hopefully he'll get them. Um, I think the fact that they were playing with the national team and they were still training, they still got in their work, um, just because they weren't with um, the revolution for what I assume for everyone was a very light week of, of more, just, you know, light drills, passing, you know, maybe some seven-on-seven type games, things like that. I don't think they missed a ton, and they were back for the full week for this week, um, along with, with everyone else. Um, I think the bigger question for a lot of people is we all heard, oh, Tim Cahill's hurt. Oh, that's terrible um, for Australia. And then, you know, then he goes and scores a goal. So we're like, all right, well, Tim Cahill's fine. Um, such a, such a shame that was. Uh, although we all love, we all love Tim Cahill. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I don't think the layoff should have affected anything. Um, but it's an inter- it's interesting that I think this week, it, this, uh, this international break worked out a lot better than last year's, if I remember correctly. They had the break between the Eastern Conference final legs, so you played the first leg, then you had two weeks off, then you played the second leg. I thought that was a lot worse as far as the playoffs go, because at least now, like, you know, everyone in the, in the final four gets a full week of rest. Um, Andrew Farrell, I think, was the only injury we had against Columbus for the second leg. He's back in training. Um, and as far as I know, he'll be good to go for the game. Whether or not he starts or is on the bench, um, he's still undetermined. Um, but it, it should be, I would assume, a full-strength lineup for everyone as far as injuries go. Um, play, you know, playing against the Red Bulls, obviously there's a million weapons out there. Uh, I'm going to take away from Thierry Henry, who... And you know what? No, I'm going to take away from Thierry Henry and Bradley Ray Phillips so they can't be your answers. Uh, okay. What's the next guy you look that you think has to absolutely be contained on the Red Bulls? You know, the one guy, this is maybe not the, the best word is to contain him, but you have to always know that he's there, and that's Dax McCarty. I love Dax McCarty. Um, there are very few people I will say about the New York Red Bulls that I actually love, and Dax McCarty's one of them. Um, he's probably one of the most underrated midfielders in the league, and he should have more USA call-ups, and he just doesn't. The, the work rate that he puts in behind the ball and to get the ball back for the Red Bulls in particular because it's not exactly the best defense you guys have back there from time to time. Um, the cover that he provides and then going forward and support um, I think is going to be key. And I think the other unassuming guy who, who tends to show up in big spots is Sam Alexander. And that can be either from his crossing or just you know getting into space. Um, I think the Red Bulls, when, when you look at... Well, Kieran Henry, yes, he's, he's amazing. Everything he touches is on YouTube. Everything Bradley Wright Phillips seems to get in the box ends up in the back of the net or in row Z, depending on what type of shot he hits. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of hard. You don't want to just key on just the attackers. You always have to be worried about the second-level guys. So that would include McCarty and Jones um, for the Revolution. Um, if you're going deeper into the game, you know maybe a Daigo Kobayashi or Scott Caldwell. Um, so it's it's always interesting. Like you always forget. I'm like, oh yeah, there's those other guys that play. Um, it's not just Jones, Win, BWP, Henri. Um, it's it's really these are two very complete teams, and, and there's a lot of a lot of supporting cast can can come up 
um, at any moment and, and, and come up big. Now, now, I just want to point out, you said Sam Alexander. Now, have you combined Lloyd, Sam, and Eric Alexander into oh, did I super do that? midfielder? Oh, I might have done that. <laughs> I was I was thinking I was thinking, that would be one dangerous play. I was thinking of Eric Alexander. Lloyd Sam was also the guy I couldn't put my name on because I remember like did I just talk about him? So yeah, I was thinking of Eric Alexander. But look, you can count Lloyd <laughs> Sam in there too. Where's my Where's my Red Bulls roster so I don't do that again? <laughs> Type in uh, it's NewYorkRedBulls.com. That's that's what you're gonna do. Um, just why, why looking... Wikipedia, it's just easier. <laughs> Wikipedia, come on. Wikipedia, just easier. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal this next question from another SB Nation blog, uh, Black Red United's filibuster podcast. You know we've had their guys on before, and they asked me this question, so I, I want to ask you. Now that you have Jermaine Jones and what, the dimension that he adds to the Revolution, you were the New York Red Bulls. How would you game plan against it? How would game plan against Jermaine Jones? I don't know if you can game plan to take him out of the game, but that's because least, of the work. Or let me rephrase it. How would you game plan against okay. the revolution in general? Like, it doesn't have to be about Jones, but just how would oh, you game plan against the revolution? You know, I, the one thing that the revolution have been doing a lot lately has been a lot of high pressure. So on the counterattack in particular, they're a little vulnerable. And against the crew, they took advantage of that on more than one occasion. And the, the revolution did some pretty good, you know, emergency defending one-on-one and things like that. Um, but there are a lot of times where, you know, they block the first ball in, and they don't get the second one. So the Red Bulls, particularly with Henri, who can who's so great on the ball, he can get out into space. You know, if if there are opportunities to counterattack and the Red Bulls are wasting them, that's going to be an issue. Um, because if you can catch uh, Jones in particular out of position or up the field, um, the only person who will be back there for cover in front of the defense will probably be Scotty Caldwell. And as much as we all love Scotty. He's not the prototypical number six. Um, he's more of the you know the technical type player um, who's back there. So while he might be able to do a little bit of containment in a one-on-one situation, he might not be the best. So it'll definitely be interesting to see um, you know the tactics game, sort of the play within the play, where you see everyone setting up. Um, in particular, the formation that that the Red Bulls will use, because I know they're they're going to be playing a little bit with the lineup. Um, some of that's suspension related, so we'll see. Now, Tremaine Jones has been such a you know crucial aspect of this team in their run. You know, so often the story is a GP that comes in midseason uh, takes that half season to adjust. What what ha- what did the Revs do that allowed Jermaine Jones to fit in so seamlessly? You know what? It was basically Jermaine Jones was the missing part of the puzzle. Uh, when you watch the Revolution during that big losing streak. Lee Wynn had to drop back to get the ball. He was really playing more of a number six role rather than um, even a number eight or number ten role. He had to drop so far back just to help out the defense because they just they couldn't possess the ball, they couldn't get upfield, they couldn't generate shots. The team, from a fundamental standpoint, what it wanted to be just wasn't working. They weren't able to get on the counter. Building from the back was just a miserable failure. Jermaine Jones essentially solved that in about ten seconds because that allows Lee Wynn higher up on the field. It takes a lot more pressure off Scott Caldwell, who's now more of a release valve than the focal point of trying to get the ball from the defense to the midfield. And it added sort of that bite, that depth in the midfield of we now have an enforcer um, that Lee Wynn ended up being that guy for a little bit because there was no one else. 
and Andy Dorman had sort of just been asked to do it before he was injured um, long-term and missed a few months with a knee injury. So it wasn't so much anything Jermaine Jones had to do. It was just all we asked Jermaine Jones to be was himself, and that solved everything. And I think that's the rare point is we didn't ask Jermaine to do anything crazy. We didn't have to change tactics. It was just we need Jermaine Jones to go out and be himself, and that solves everything the Rebs had with a major problem over the summer, uh, that big, long losing streak that they had to climb out of, uh, and they've been terrorizing the rest of MLS ever since. Uh, okay, I, I have a quick question. It's a little unrelated, but I've just been looking into something, and I'm just curious. Okay. Uh, um, when Are you in any of the supporters groups? Uh, not specifically, no. I, I live in Connecticut, so I make it up, I oh, make okay, it up to right. basically I... zero games a year <laughs> because it's a three-and-a-half-hour okay. drive and stuff. You know, because then oh, maybe I'm going to ask this anyway, but you okay. might not be the man to ask. That's fine. Uh, I noticed there's like three supporters groups uh, that kind of is in the fort. Okay. Is there a lot of drama between those three groups that you know of? Not as far as I know. Um, the two major ones are the Rebellion and the Midnight Riders, and I'm assuming the third one you're referring to is the Rev Army, but I know very little about them in particular. Um, I think if you were to go and look up the fort and drama, you'd be looking at more of the fort versus Gillette Stadium security. Oh, yes, probably. Because that's a separate issue. Um, you can just Google Fort Gate. Um, there's a couple of them, I think. Um, odd things have happened um, between the supporters groups and and security, but as far as I know, no. It's just those are the two groups that have started. Those are the largest ones. Um but as supporter culture is something that I, I would love to be more of a part of. Um, but also, in theory, I should be a Red Bulls fan because I live closer to the stadium. But I just don't. So it's one of those it's one of those things. It's difficult for me to explain. I have a troubled youth for sports. And things. <laughs> well, you, you know what? Considering there's a bunch of NYCFC fans that are probably close to Red Bull Arena, we'll give you a pass on that one. I um, um I don't I don't want to hear that particular team. You you also spelled enough. it wrong. It's, it's NYCFU. <laughs> fair and, enough. Fair um, enough. Considering I live in the county of New England that wears all of the Yankees hats, I'm going to have to deal with them at some point, and I'm not looking forward to it. Fair enough. But we'll we'll cross that bridge in like a couple of months or so. All right, so uh, we got one last thing we're going to discuss, and we're going to do a prediction. But before we get to that, okay. we got we got to bring this up. Uh, today, the MLS announced its finalists for the 2014 po- uh, postseason awards, and for the MVP, we have Femi Martin, Robbie Keane, and Louis Wynn from the Revolution. And a lot of Red Bulls fans were pissed. I, yep. And in our opinion, because we, we talked about this already, we, we think it's rightfully so that they're pissed that. Neither Thierry Henry nor Bradley Phillips were one of the three finalists. So, at this time, we want you to defend why Lee Wynn deserves to be there over the two Red Bull stars. Well, I, I will say that this is a classic statistics versus eye test. Lee Wynn, as far as statistics go, you have to remember he's a midfielder. He's not supposed to score 18 goals anyway. The one knock that I have on... Bradley Wright Phillips is is that he scores goals in bunches. He had what, three hat tricks, a couple of other multi goal games. Um, yes, he had twenty seven goals, but he wasn't. He also had a lot of games where he just can't get anything on frame, and it's odd. The argument for Lee Wynn, if you're talking about the most valuable player for me, comes down to 
if Lee Wynn is not on the Revolution for the first four months of the year before Jermaine Jones gets there, that team is bad. Like, Chivas, Montreal, bad. The Red Bulls, L.A., Seattle, they still have, you know, a dynamic duo. Phillip, it's uh, Bradley Wright Phillips and Henri. Martins and Dempsey. Donovan and Keane and Zardes and everyone else out in L.A. who just can't stop scoring. It was for four months... It was just Lee Wynn, and it was barely enough to keep the Rebs in the playoffs. Then you get Jermaine Jones, and it's like, oh, well, now we're just, now Jermaine Jones is the most valuable player. You missed the first four or five months when Lee Wynn was carrying this team single handedly. So it's sort of, it's, it's the eye test for Lee Wynn. You see it on the field, and you go, yes, he has to be the most valuable player because if he's not there, the team is just back. And I think with Wright Phillips, Everyone keeps bringing up Wondolowski, who scored 27 goals. Is that the number? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the year Wondolowski had was the MVP, he scored 27 goals. He also had 10 assists, and his team won the Supporters' Shield. Riley Wright Phillips scored 27 goals in a year where his team made the playoffs on the last day of the season. So I think there's some of that that also goes on. If Well, it's not necessarily the award for the best player on the best team. It's a, you scored a lot of goals and... I think that's what hurts BWP in particular. I don't think he's the most valuable player on his own team. I think that's on Reed by a long shot. Um, the, the Golden Ball Award for me, yes, you, Bradley Wright Phillips is the most clinical finisher. He won the Golden Ball in a landslide, and he deserves that. But he's just a pure finisher up top. And as, and as valuable as those are and as hard as those are to come by, there are other ways to affect soccer games. And I think Lee Wynn being a midfielder in particular helps his case here because he's doing it on both ends of the field, whereas everyone else is sort of, well, they're just strikers. Um, and they, everyone's pumping in a lot of goals and a lot of assists. I think if, if Wright Phillips had, say, maybe if he had five less goals and ten more assists, I think that would put him into that category. Um, but he's just not the creator, not the facilitator. He's only the finisher. Um, whereas Lee Wynn is, in theory, both. And despite the fact that he only has five assists... Um, that's not his fault. If you look at the rest of the Rebs, um, even Jermaine Jones with two goals and five assists the last couple months of the year, no one else is really more than, than five or six goals or five or six assists for the team. So it's very much a Lee win and the supporting cast um, type of team. So I think that's where he sort of gets to elevate himself and where you know BWP is sort of sharing the spotlight a little bit. Oh, fair enough. Uh, with that... With all that being said, uh, you got a prediction for this Sunday? This Sunday, oh god, I would love to just get a 1-1 draw and go home because I do not like playing an RBA, an RBA. I don't like anything about this first leg at all. It bothers me. I'm, I'm going back to it and I probably shouldn't because I'm superstitious and I lost the first game in August. So, if you give me a 1-1 draw and we come back to New England for the second leg, the big question we'll all be asking is, does Terry Henry play on Gillette Stadium turf? That's the most we, important we, question for the series. And we said unless it's a 2 nothing or 3 nothing type of victory, then he's got to be on the field. And that's, that's, that's what I think well. game. And I know, I know he said, well, I want to retire and I don't like playing on that stuff because it'll ruin my knees. I'm like... I think you can make it for one game, for a second leg playoff series, and I think it'll be fun. I, I really, 
you know, the, the aggregate series is always something that's difficult to figure out. I don't like the away goals rule at all. I don't, I don't understand why an away goal is somehow more important in this type of a series. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to just get a result, um, at RBA, get out of there, come back home and, and take care of it there, which is, I assume, what everyone wants to try and do anyway. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see going forward uh, how how it plays out for sure. All right. Now, b- before we end, and we're actually going to end the show with you, Salon, because we don't have enough to do with that segment this week. Um, so before we do our pimping of ourselves, where yeah. can our listeners find you on the Internet? All right. Well, if you go, we'll, we'll spell out the last name for everyone. On Twitter, it's at jcatanese, C-A-T-A-N-E-S-E. You can also find me at bentmusket.com, covering all revolution and, and the U.S. men's national team stuff. Um, it's uh, it's something that's it's amazing to be able to come on and, and do these types of shows. I've done them with the DC guys and um, before and, and a couple of others. Uh, just having the, the big SB Nation network and, and banner and going for and um, being able to link up and do all this type of, uh, of interaction between the sites. It's always fun and, uh, you know, we'll get the trash talking at some point, I'm sure. That, that's for next week when that's things actually happen. <laughs> come back new next All right. week and then just yeah. talk track. All we'll do next week. Oh, of course. Well, it'll, it'll just be 20 minutes of us cursing at each other. That's good enough. Oh, it sounds um, amazing. <laughs> I would totally listen to that. I should have listened to our show last week. Um, <laughs> oh, that was us yeah. cursing about DC. Um, anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, you can visit Once a Metro at onceametro.com. You can visit our podcast website redbullrant.blogspot.com email us during the week at redbullrant at gmail.com you can call us at 973-348-5329 on facebook facebook.com slash redbullrant on twitter at redbullrant for this show at doc the stooge for myself at pmacd82 for pat at the truman for truman you can subscribe to us via itunes stitcher radio soundcloud.com slash red hyphen bull hyphen rant Last words before we wrap this one up. Uh, one word. Nothing. Sorry, I gotta say, win. Of course. <laughs> no, that's, win, that, baby. That's, win. that's his usual. Not... That, that's that's his usual last word. That's so it's nothing particular for you. Just so you understand win. that. Oh, it's, you, you need to, you need to spell it out because all I heard was N W G Y U N, and and that's you know, <laughs> that's that doesn't that has no win. meaning this week. So you know, in New England, we spell win a little differently because Boy. all he does all he does is win. Oh boy. All the bad puns. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So on that note, on a ba- on the, to end of the show on a bad pun, for Pat Truman and myself, this was episode number 125 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, go Red Bulls. Peace. And I'm Pat, and I said goodbye, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>